What is the atonement? Wayne Grudem provides this definition in a base form, okay? Atonement in its base means to make amends. And the atonement when it comes to Christ, what he did for us, is the work Christ did in his life, living a perfect life as the Lamb of God, and then dying as the Lamb of God. Why? To atone for our sins, to earn our salvation. The atonement is what Christ did to earn what we could not. Good day, dear loved ones, and welcome to Live in the Light. Thank you so much for making our little program a part of your day, and we do pray, especially so this week, that the Word of God would be stirring your heart to a greater affection for the Lord Jesus. We're getting ready for a special time of year for our church, and as we begin to gear up for Easter, Easter empty tomb, Easter the triumph of the Lord Jesus over death and sin and the joy of life and hope and a restored relationship with God. Gearing up for Easter, but of course, there is no Easter celebration without Calvary and the atoning work of Jesus upon a cross. So with that said, we want you, our listeners, to be aware that we're headed for the next week or so into a deep look at the atonement. Now, Pastor Robbie, who's our teacher for this program, is in our studio with me today. And Robbie, what is your heart for our listeners for this series? Greg, I appreciate your opening comments too on the atonement. And yeah, my heart for this series, what a, what a great question that is. Um, I think, Craig, and I know you agree with this, that um, an understanding of true doctrine in our day is lost. In some way, it is, it is repelled. Um, specifically regards with the atonement to our listeners right now. Hey, if I asked you to define the atonement, could you do that biblically? And I think the answer for some of our listeners would be honestly, no. That's, that's why we're in this series right now. I mean, is there any more important doctrine of understanding what happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross? So we're looking for three main things to happen, as you will hear even in, in this message today. Through this series of atonement, we're looking for a deeper understanding of revelation. The truth must be unpacked as to the glory of the atonement. We're looking for a reverence to be held in our souls. Man, trust me, listeners, the more you start to see this and understand it, well, a reverence fills your life. And then thirdly, we're looking for a restoration of joy. Joining with David when he prays, restore to me the joy of your salvation. There's no greater way to do that than a fuller understanding of the gospel. And the heart of the gospel is the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. So let's get our Bibles open ready, Craig, for all that God has for us in this incredibly important and glorious doctrine. Again, the atonement of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as Robbie said, let's get our Bibles open if you can, and let's join up again with Pastor Robbie in Hebrews chapter 10. The atonement is one of the most important, beautiful, and powerful doctrines in Scripture. Now, when I say doctrine, remember that just is a word that means teaching. Just, it's a teaching. The doctrine of the atonement. When we begin this series right now, I want to start with a question too, okay? So I've said the word atonement. Atonement has been displayed on the screen as it is now. Question for you. 
Could you right now define the atonement? Okay, so person comes up to you on the street and said, hey, I understand you go to church. I think I've seen a couple of things. You, you're a professed Christian. Uh, this, this, this atonement thing, could you tell me what, what is that? Could you do it right now? Could, could, could you and I put into words biblically what the atonement is? And I, I like asking these questions because right away it's going to reveal some need in our lives. And it's going to right away reveal maybe where we are, where we need to go, and kind of what the Lord wants to teach us. And I hope right now, even as we begin, I hope it's creating us maybe a renewed hunger or interest or curiosity on, again, the, on one of the most important truths found within the Christian faith. So as we approach Easter this year, we're going to take and use this season to our advantage. We are in Lent right now. We are a few weeks away from celebration of Easter and Good Friday, of course, and we're going to take advantage of this by joining together on a journey towards the cross. We're going to go and pray for a tremendous reverence and to pray for a tremendous sober-mindedness on the realities of what Christ did for us again. So we're going to take the next five weeks. We're culminating on Good Friday in this series to unpack this incredible doctrine. Some of you right now would say, okay, um, why are we doing this exactly? I've kind of answered it already, but let me just unpack that fully. Why are we doing this? Three main reasons. Uh, they are uh, constitute three R's. Uh, what else is new? All right. And the first one is this. We do this series because we are seeking a revelation of truth, a revelation of truth. The reality is some of us right now, uh, we cannot articulate what the atonement is. Let's change that. Let's change that. Uh, you are a professing believer. You need to be able to express what the atonement is. We're going to change that even today, Lord willing, as we pay attention. Uh, secondly, we are seeking right now, we are seeking to see reverence of the soul. We want to grow in our reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I know. Some right, some right now, uh, some of us will come in here and we're distracted. We are distracted with the world. Our lives are spinning around again in chaos like they might normally be. We're too distracted away from what's most important. Some of us right now, we are discouraged. You have walked in here for the different reasons of life, the different things that are going on. You are discouraged. You are fighting some feelings of depression. Uh, there's a sense of despair and you are discouraged and the Lord is gonna meet you today with his truth that overcomes and is the antidote to levels of discouragement. Thirdly, there's some people here right now and just, if we're honest, you're just indifferent. When it comes to the cross, you might say, yeah, yeah, I know that. I've known that for years, but it's really here, but it's not, look, look, it's not here. There's no real love. There's no real affection. There's no sense of emotion. There's no contrition. There's no brokenness. There's just indifference. You say, Robbie, how do you know? Because I know my own heart. And I'm telling you, man, there is, there is, there's no greater way to start to destroy elements of distraction and discouragement and indifference than going to the cross. Let's say the cross is over here. The closer you and I genuinely draw to the cross, the smaller we become. This is what happens. If you start approaching the cross, the cross is up there. I love that so much on our stage. You start walking towards the cross. Here's what starts to happen, okay? I'm getting old. My knees hurt a little more, so it's harder to do. But this is what happens, okay? As you walk, you start to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And the amazing part is the smaller you become by the cross, the more satisfied you feel. 
the meaning of life starts to unfold. The smaller you are at the cross, you are there and you realize Jesus Christ is everything I've ever needed. That's what we're praying for. We are praying for revelation of truth, the reverence of the soul, and this, the restoration of joy. I mean, David prays, he prays in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy, listen, not my salvation, your salvation, God. And how many of us desire to see the restoration of joy in our lives again, centered on the salvation that God has given to us. Now, when it comes to the atonement, it is a vast, complex, and rich and deep doctrine. The treasures of the atonement are seemingly unending when you seek to unpack it biblically. So for the sake of our series, we're gonna take the treasure of the atonement and we're going to examine four specific jewels in the next few weeks, Lord willing. Now, before we go any further, I've said the word so many times, atonement. Some of you are like, what is that? So let's get a definition so we can all get on the same page, taking nothing for granted right now. What is the atonement? Wayne Gruden provides this definition in a base form, okay? Atonement in its base means to make amends. And the atonement when it comes to Christ, what he did for us is the work Christ did in his life, living a perfect life as the lamb of God and then dying as the lamb of God. Why? To atone for our sins, to earn our salvation. The atonement is what Christ did to earn what we could not. Let me just take a moment right now. If you're here right now and you think you can earn your salvation, you think wrong. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot do enough good deeds to become perfect. We'll get to that in a few moments before God. Only Christ can earn our salvation. Again, atonement is to make amends. Uh, I saw this other definition this week as well. I thought it was cute, but again, it's also important. So if you break down the word atonement, this is to help us remember, at one mint, meaning this, again, through the atonement, what Christ did to earn our salvation, we can, now I emphasize can be made one with God because it doesn't guarantee we are. You only, receive, you only receive salvation by the gift of grace through faith. Christ died for our sins, but you gotta receive the gift. So his death on the cross makes it possible for us to be at one with God if we receive what he has done for us by grace through faith, the atonement. That is our definition, getting on the same page together. But here's a good question. Why was the atonement necessary? Why did Christ have to earn our salvation? I wanna put four reasons on the screen for you right now. This is incredibly important base foundation of theology for every human being who's ever lived. Okay, four reasons why the atonement had to happen. Number one, we deserve to die as the penalty for our sins. We have sinned against a holy God. Sin must be dealt with. Every human being ever born is a sinner. If you don't think you're a sinner, just ask anyone who's known you for, let's say, mm, five minutes, and they'll tell you you're a sinner, okay? And the reality is we deserve death as a result of our sin against God. Secondly, the atonement's necessary because we deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. God being holy, there must be justice. 
Sin has to be accounted for. God's wrath and punishment will come against sin. We are responsible for our sin. We deserve to come under the wrath of God as a result. Thirdly, this explains to us, we are separated from God by our sins. God is holy over here in Genesis 1 and 2. We are in relationship with God. Sin comes and destroys that relationship. God is here now. We are by ourselves and the chasm of sin is in between. We are separated from God and we cannot on our own get back. Fourthly, we are in bondage, therefore, to sin and the kingdom of Satan. It's one of the realities we see all around us every day. This is the devastating consequence. Now, let me just point this out. When you see the four reasons the atonement was necessary, if you want to be saved, you have to understand these truths. You're like, well, this is pretty bad news. I know, I know. But unless you know the bad news, you will not understand the good news. Unless you comprehend every single person who's ever been truly saved in Jesus Christ must come to the point where they recognize, I am in trouble. This is my reality. You don't try to deny it. You don't try to self-esteem it. You don't try to get over it. You recognize and admit, I am a sinner who needs a savior. I'm t- even right now, I don't know who's here right now. I don't know how you got here. I don't know who's visiting. I don't know how many times you come to church. I don't know if you've been to church a lot, but you've never really. When you come, young people, open, when you come to this reality that this is you and me, this is when life can change. This is when you start to realize, I can't do this. I need someone beyond myself. So this could be the most important news you've ever heard as much as it's bad because now it sets up the good news. Next slide, okay? Let's watch this. This is gonna be our series outline, Lord willing, over the next month, okay? So what does Christ do on the cross? Why is the atonement so important and so precious? Well, number one, he provides the solutions again to our greatest needs. So we deserve to die, Jesus becomes our sacrifice. That's today's message. We deserve to bear God's wrath. Jesus comes and he becomes our propitiation. You're like, propitiation, what? We'll get to that in this series. Propitiation is the theological term that says Jesus took on um, God's wrath for sin so we would not have to. Astoundingly beautiful love and doctrine of God there within the cross and the atonement. We were separated from God. Jesus becomes our reconciliation. He is the one where we're separated from God because of the cross, right? Because of the cross, we now transfer back over from death to life to be with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And fourthly, we are in bondage to sin. Jesus redeems us from sin and Satan. This is our outline for this series. And notice up here, I wrote this in, okay? Success in this series, loved ones, success in this series is to be able to know this and teach this and love this. To describe the four words of the atonement if God starts to grow this in your heart and mind, there will be a new love coming from your life a new sense of discipleship and appreciation and humility and gratitude. Success is being able to walk this through biblically, to teach others and to love God more in your life and mine. Take that seriously. We are being discipled right now. This is a discipleship session in the word of God. It's beautiful. It's powerful. There's so much opportunity 
right here. So this is what we seek to do. Thank you for your patience with that introduction. It's so important. I hope you understand that as you hear it. We get on the same page, and now we are ready then for our first message within the atonement. Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. I hope there's an expectancy growing. Let's see who can get there first. Maybe you want to race your neighbor. And real Bibles can outdo electronic Bibles. That would be awesome, all right? Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 11. Remember, our theme today now is we deserve to die. Jesus is our sacrifice. We deserve death. Jesus is our sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 11 says, and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, notice, which can never take away sins. But, all God's people said, but, yes, thank you. But, notice, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. Awesome. Verse 14, here we go. For by a single, look at the theology in this verse. For by a single offering... Jesus Christ, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, okay? At the heart of the atonement is the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Here's what we see. So we're gonna take the theme of sacrifice through these three verses and build a context around it. This takes us to point number one. What do we learn about sacrifice in this passage? Number one, we see first an insufficient sacrifice uh, by man or of man. We see an insufficient sacrifice. Look at verse 11 again. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same services. Here's the problem. Here's the lack of sufficiency, which can never take away sins. Right away in verse 11, I want you to notice the uh, three phrases here. Notice, stands daily, the priest does. Notice, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. And then again, notice the lack of result, which can never take away sins. So in verse 11, you have a thesis of insufficiency stated three times or you have a thesis of insufficiency stated with three different phases, or phrases. So let's notice again, in the context of Hebrews chapter 10, to understand Hebrews chapter 10, it's a contrast ultimately of the old covenant versus the new covenant. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews really is communicating, listen, the insufficiency of old religion. And this is why Christ has come with the new covenant to die on the cross. Let's look at this. Let's be good Bible students right now. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Let's just get our context. I pray this will encourage you. In chapter 10, verse 1, notice it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead, notice, of the true form of these realities, ready? It can never by the same sacrifices, make perfect those who draw near. Now notice this. The author of Hebrews is saying the law or the old covenant is a shadow of the true realities that are yet to come. Think of what a shadow is. Like I can see my shadow right now because of the lights that are around me and I see my hands waving and right there on the floor and a shadow is insubstantial. 
a shadow. I can see the shape and the outline uh, within my silhouette, but the shadow gives me an idea of what it might look like, but it's not the real thing. It helps us to see some of what we can expect. And again, it helps us to see shape, but really it's so hard to see the true detail. A shadow is a, is a representation of what is real, but the shadow's not this. Like this is real, like actual real, but the shadow is not. The old covenant, the law, was an insubstantial, again, shadow, giving us a bit of an outline of what the new covenant would look like, but is not the new covenant, it is not reality in itself. Look at verses three and four of chapter 10. Notice it says there, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Now, what's the problem in the old covenant, old sacrificial system? Every year, you're sacrificing animals for sins. What's the problem of that? Well, you come back year after year and you see the animals sacrificed and you're like, huh, well, I guess that means as I see more animals being sacrificed, I guess sin's not fully paid for then. And you come back the next year, maybe this year will be the year there's no more sacrifices, but there they are again, sacrifice again. And the animal sacrifices are the present reminder that sin has not been fully dealt with. Why has sin not been fully dealt with? The answer's in verse four. Look at verse four. For it is impossible. Last time I checked, impossible meant impossible. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away, to fully atone for sins. You see the insufficiency of the old covenant system. Look at verse nine now. In verse nine, it says there, then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. Notice, I'm going to do away with the first old covenant in order to establish the second covenant. What is that telling us right here? The old covenant, the religion in itself, the, the effort of man, it is temporary. It is insufficient. It is incomplete. Now notice our verse, look at, look, at, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, by the way, if you want to grow in God's word right now, you have every single opportunity to do so. If you want your life to change right now, you have every opportunity by God's spirit for that to happen. If you are eager and hungry and desires to see God renew and stoke your fire of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, he is absolutely teeing this up for you right now. Like lives can be changed and hearts can be stirred and minds can be renewed. And glory can be given through your life right now as we put away the world and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have every opportunity right now for that to happen. God, give us hungry hearts and give us humble hearts. Give us hearts of holiness right now as we understand the profundity of what the Lord is explaining to us right now. It's incredibly beautiful. No greater truth. Look at verse 11. And every priest, notice the contrast here, stands daily at his service, Offering repeatedly, it says right there, but notice the contrast of verse 12. We'll get to there in a minute, but I just want to see it. In verse 12, it says, and Christ though, Christ sat down. The priest is standing daily. Christ sat down. Now, why is that significant? Remember, in the holy places of the tabernacle, there wasn't even a chair. And the reason there wasn't a chair, listen, under the old covenant, the work was never done. There was never rest within the old covenant system of religion. Why was the work never done? Because the work was never completed. So what do we see? The priest stood daily. 
He stood daily as a reminder of what they were doing. Again, notice the consequence found in verse 11. Verse 11 says, which can never, last time I checked, never meant never, which can never take away or atone for sins. Do you see this, loved ones? Do you see the necessity of the atonement? The atonement was 100% necessary because we cannot take away our own sins. Again, who's here right now? I'm not sure God does. Maybe you walked in here right now. And in fact, I'm positive some did. You walked in here today and you believe if I'm a good enough person, I can remove my sins. No, you cannot. You will never be good enough. God demands perfection. You're like, yeah, but I've been trying really hard, man. It's been a good year so far, 2019, man. I'm on a bit of a roll. That's great. You will never be good enough. There will never be enough good deeds. There will never be enough striving. There will never be enough satisfaction made by your life because we are sinful. And you have to see, one of the greatest points of love I can say to you right now is you will never be able to take away your own sins. We are utterly dependent upon a savior who is greater than ourselves, who can perform the perfect sacrifice that we might be saved from all our sins and therefore gain entrance into glory by not our own merit, by the merit of another, the son of God, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, again, the Lord Almighty himself. We need atonement. Now consider what the author of Hebrews is doing too as he comes to this stage in the book. I mean, he's, he's speaking primarily to Jewish believers and saying, listen, do not leave. Do not leave the new covenant for the old. Man, the old, again, it's passing away. Now consider the context. Consider all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Let's highlight a few. Let's take Genesis 3 when God kills an animal and puts skins on Adam and Eve to atone for their original sin. Uh, let's think of uh, Abraham and Isaac and God said to go sacrifice Isaac. At last, a ram is provided and the glory of that moment is the ram is sacrificed and the life is spared. Let's think of the blood on the doorposts of Egypt and that initial Passover and the incredible momentous event that was as God spared his people and as the Egyptians underwent again punishment for their sin, the sacrifice. Let's think of the Old Testament, the thousands and you could say millions of lambs that have been sacrificed through the centuries in order to be a see atonement made for their sins, but in the end are temporary. The author of Hebrews says all those incredible sacrifices, all of them put together in the end are absolutely insufficient. They will not ultimately satisfy the Lord. There's a greater sacrifice that needs to take place. All of those other sacrifices in they are insufficient. All our sacrifices in the end are insufficient because they are of man. We will never gain entrance to heaven, to glory, to salvation on our own. We need a savior. Now, one of the things I hope you noticed already is in this series, we are going to double down with songs that are so relevant to our series. I've had a bit of a head start on this and I was thinking through this doctrine. My mind is renewed again. I'm very, very excited about it. It's powerful. And some of my favorite hymns came coming up. One of them is Rock of Ages. And, and I want you to see how, pow this is verse two of, of this great hymn. I want you to see how just pertinent this is to us right now. Notice the author of the song says, not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy laws 
demands. I mean, I could work as hard as I want for my whole life, nonstop, never sleep. I would never be able to perform enough labor to fulfill the law of God, which demands perfection. In fact, I could have a zeal that never knew respite, that I could have unending passion flowing from my life and zeal for God and just never ever rest from that, but just, and continue to give and give and give and give and give. I could cry my face off forever. I could weep and weep and weep and surely say, God, you're seeing my contrition, my brokenness and my tears. Surely if I flow tears forever, this will work, but it won't work. Why? Because all for sin, none of these things could ever, now the word's popping out, atone. All for sin, these could not atone. Why, why, why? Because you must save. You must save. And thou and you and you alone. Only, only Jesus Christ can make ultimate atonement for our sins. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. You can also write us at any time in Canada at 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, Canada, L6L6X9. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.